0: Welcome back to another episode of the CHGO Fire Podcast presented. By DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. I am your host, Alex Campbell, and I am joined today by a co-host with whom I share both a love of Chicago soccer and a last name, but to whom I am not related, at least as far as we know. He's the founder of the Red Lion Supporters Group and has been involved in leadership in the Chicago Fire and Red Stars community for a long time. Jake Campbell, thanks for coming on the CHGO Fire Podcast. Thanks for having me, Alex. Absolutely. So before we get into the soccer, which, yes, unfortunately, we do have to talk about these games from the last couple of weeks. How would you describe, I guess, you know, in, in the supporters community of Chicago soccer, which has a lot of small groups under the big umbrella of it? What would you say is Redline's niche Redline's within that community?
1: Um, I would kind of say that we're trying to not have a niche. We're trying to be kind of all-encompassing and open to everybody though it's not one particular thing you have to be looking for we're involved in the fire supporter section we're involved in the red supporter section Um, we run a pretty popular pickup game at this point So we're kind of just the place to try to improve chicago soccer makes sense
0: makes sense but also i got we're gonna bring up a picture of your uh your twitter uh bio here it says you guys are also uh raccoon enthusiasts what's the story uh what's the story on the raccoons
1: um the first match day that we had as a group um a raccoon got stuck up on the the cermak stop at the red line (laughs) and so we just kind of decided to adopt him as our mascot from there Nice. Yeah. the uh I'm gonna show the uh, the
0: uh, the Twitter header for uh, for the show here for the uh, the group here in a second. There it is, and I, I really do love that uh, the profile picture with the raccoon with the Chicago shades. That is that is excellent. But enough talk about raccoons. It has been two weeks since the last show, which means there are two games to talk about. And Jake, we're gonna to try to go through this first one relatively quickly. Philadelphia Union one, Chicago Fire zero. Um. I don't know about you, but going into this game, even though Philly haven't started the year great, a point would have been a phenomenal result been. here. would have felt like a win.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, going into the game, it felt like that. I think once we got halfway through, it started feeling like we should be shooting for three and not one. And, um, and then, of course, we get none. But I guess that's just the way it goes.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, to recap a little bit with all the injuries from re- week one, we saw Ezra Hendrickson go with a back three, a second ever start for Kendall Burks. Um, you know, I know Wyatt omsburg was injured basically the last two thirds of last season, but Amsburg is a guy who fire fans were clamoring to be an MLS all-star early in the season. Uh, what do you make of the fact that we're seeing a, a rookie well, it's basically still a rookie and Kendall Burks getting minutes. And so far this year, why it's nowhere to be found, seemingly.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It is. I mean, it seemed like him and Rafa had a good thing going last year. Um, I get why Carlos is getting minutes. I think he's got a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a lot of size. He's playing really well. Um, but Burks over omsburg in a back three does kind of scratch your head a bit.
0: Yeah, maybe it's because Burks is a little quicker. We've actually seen him kind of play fullback late in games at times, and we will get to that with the Cincinnati game, how maybe subbing in more defenders didn't necessarily help. Uh, other than that, in the lineup, it was Fabian Herbers and Gaston Jimenez behind Zerda Shakiri in midfield. Shabilko and Kamara together up top, and as you mentioned, it, it felt like things were going pretty well. This seemed like it was working, and hey, who could have expected that Casper Shabilko, better in a front two than up there by himself, which currently seemed fitting given that this game was in Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, definitely um he's he's honestly looked better this season than last um he's still not looking as clinical as we did hoped. obviously he had that big miss uh, earlier um a great goal last week but um yeah he's he's getting more involved and I think it's key to Ezra figuring out how the The two strike system seems to really work. Um, Kai Kamara's come in. It's really disappointing to see him out for this last game because mm-hmm. he's he's showing well so far. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see more of that. Speaking of how
0: Kai was out for the most recent game, you know, you were saying you know it felt like the Fire were in a position to get something from this. Fabian Herbers is sent off five minutes into the second half. And it's, you know, we've seen this before. This is a familiar, familiar feeling. Kai Kamara will later get sent off for just a frustration yellow after the fire concede the goal, which we'll discuss in a minute. But man, these red cards just feel like they were compounding the the mini injury crisis that was already happening and going into, you know, after these first two games, it's like, okay, half the squad seemingly unavailable already. It just, you can understand the frustration, especially from Kamara, but the wounds just felt self-inflicted in this second game rather than in the first game where it just felt unfortunate with all the injuries.
1: Yeah. And I'm really trying hard to um, not believe in us being just a cursed team and that this stuff is inevitable um but it it, they make it difficult sometimes man and i i wonder honestly i i kind of wonder whether ezra should have subbed herbers off at half he's kind of a hothead and going into what was turning into a really chippy game going into half on a yellow uh felt like a good time maybe to bring somebody else on um but you know obviously he didn't and we got in the hole pretty quick
0: Yeah, it's a refrain we've talked about that Pat McCraney and I last year on this podcast discussed several times, which was that it seems like there are opportunities to give some of those kids on the bench a shot, and this would have been a good circumstance. You know, you're so depleted that, you know, Fabian Herbers is not a guy you want to be starting in a defensive midfield pivot, and when you're in that situation, you're still hanging on nil-nil, you know, you feel like maybe that would have been a spot to give somebody a chance there in the middle The one goal comes in the 90th minute. It's a speculative shot from distance by Phillies, Joaquin Torres. Maybe Chris Brady is screened. Yes. The ball bounces right in front of him, but this is just kind of a heartbreaking moment for Chris who this is his first start after being injured in week one. And it's just really tough to watch that ball, just skip by him and to see that one point for the fire, literally just go right past them.
1: Yeah, that was, that was just a straight gut punch. That was, um, and again, it it felt like like old times. Um, it, it felt a little bit like um, you know some of the similarities between Brady and Gaga, where they're both very talented, but Gaga lost us a couple games mm-hmm. last year as well, you know, with some with some howlers. So uh, everything changed, but stayed the same in the same uh, the same time. So
0: they lose the game. The roster availability gets worse. You've obviously got a pretty good beat on the the general overall mood of the community. What what would you say the mood was? How would you describe it? The final whistle blows, and in like the twenty four to forty eight hours after um, after this loss,
1: yeah, it just felt like here we go again. Um, you know, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm I'm trying not to get into the the curse stuff, but uh, you know, at a certain point, it's got to get broken this These late game fumblings. Um, and that's the only way you can put this stuff to bed. And obviously, it didn't happen here.
0: So, again, we're trying to put that game in the past because obviously the bigger talking point of the two games is going to be the draw with Cincinnati. But before we get to that, I've got to remind you that CHGO Fire is brought to you by DraftKings. And as evidenced by last week's DraftKings pick of the week, When I said to bet on Liverpool, who then proceeded to lose to Bournemouth, uh, betting on soccer can be very fickle. But if that's up your alley, DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to do it. They've got lines and markets on just about every league you can think of. The NWSL and the Chicago Red Stars, they start up this weekend, if you might be interested in that. Of course, more recently, it's been all about the NCAA tournament. Condolences to anyone who had the Kansas or Purdue men or the Stanford women, but there are still plenty of games to check out on DraftKings Sportsbook. So download the app now and sign up with code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So Jake, a game that encompassed the full range of emotions and ended all from too familiar familiarly in the end fire three F scene, Cincinnati three, you yourself described uh, that Philly game as a gut punch. Um, Man, the gut punch hurts a lot more when you really think you've won the fight.
1: Yeah. um, (laughs) Honestly, that was the positive that I took away is I've seen fire teams in the past that don't show the fight. that really don't, show like they won it 110%. And that's the that's the positive that came out of this. Is I loved the way we came to a really strong Philly team in Philly. Didn't look like we were just um, going in there hoping for a draw. We came out, punched him in the mouth a bit, um, we lost. That sucks. But um there's there's definitely some positives to that.
0: Yeah, for sure. So in the theme of the NCAA tournament, this was a very much a game of runs. And it started with the fire, you know, kind of this rearing our heads of, oh, no, are they going to just let that last loss get them down? And, you know, since he scores in the eighth minute, it's a huge deflection. But the opening eight minutes of this game, it, it you know, you've said, here we go again. I think we both said it already on this podcast, but man, it's like there was that concern. It's like, oh, are they really just going to let that Philly game stick with them? Are they really just going to let FC Cincinnati kick them while they're down? I don't think we could have foreseen the way things would then turn around in the 20 to 30 minutes after conceding that goal. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, it you could feel it in the supporters section. I mean, for what you could still feel, it was it was so cold <laughs> that um, that was there wasn't much feeling going on. But uh, it the the air kind of came out for a little bit when that Cincinnati goal went in, um, and it definitely felt like okay, here we go, we're at home and we're just going to get whooped by uh, a superior team, and and so you know it, all the positives from last week kind of just looked like they went out the window. Uh, that's definitely
0: how I felt at first. And while you mentioned it, shout out to you and to everybody else who braved the conditions out there on Saturday. I'd initially planned to go with a couple of friends, including one who's an FC Cincinnati supporter. And we just looked at that forecast and we're like, you know, what, sounds way better than this. Staying at home and watching this game. <laughs> and so, again, huge credit to everybody who went out there in the cold. I think it was the second coldest ever fire game at Soldier Field, and that is saying something because we've had some doozies over the years. So the fire were lucky to not be down two or three within the first half hour of this game. Cincinnati hits the post at one point. They have a goal called back for offside. It's not looking good. And then out of nowhere, you alluded to it earlier, Jake, Casper Shabilko scores what is easily his best goal for the fire, a first-time curling finish on an assist from Brian Gutierrez, and there was the glimpse of the player... We all know that Casper can be in the clinical finisher, like you said. That we've seen him be in this league for years.
1: Yeah, I don't know who needed that more, us or him. Like <laughs> it's um, hopefully that's the goal that gets his confidence back, gets him I mean, he, sh- he should have scored that one earlier in the year. Um, he's he's definitely had some chances. He's connecting a little bit more this year. Um, hopefully, he can get going. I I think I've given up hope of him being. Uh, you know any sort of um, golden boot contender or anything Um, but if he can contribute he can score double digit goals um, help other guys score goals in a strike partnership we talked about earlier Um, so that was definitely great um, for him and for us
0: I also think it's worth taking this moment to talk about Brian Gutierrez and his contributions in this game he starts in the number 10 spot for Jordan Shakiri and though Shaqiri. he did end up having and a lot th- of sloppy giveaways later in the game I really thought he brought a spark and I guess athleticism is a weird word to use here because Shakiri is so strong but the the speed and the energy that Gutierrez brings out there it was a really noticeable difference from the way that Shakiri tends to play
1: Yeah he's um he's obviously still raw he's an unfinished product mm-hmm. um he's that that final touch that final decision isn't always there but you can see it you can see the thought process you can see the ambition with what he's doing the energy he brings like you said um a lot of that's missing from Shakiri. um and we know Shakiri has the talent but that's um that will that energy that um you know really applying himself to every situation it's kind of lacking so um it's, it's sad to see us doing better with our DP. Uh, you know, I think he's is he still the, the highest paid player in the league. Um, he the is currently
0: so, the, I want to say he is the he's second or third. I want to say he's third. I know Senior in Toronto was one, and I feel pretty strongly there's somebody in between the two. But I can't remember off the top of my head who it is. I will have to look that up. But yeah, I mean, he's still making over $8 million a year. And, you know, they had this conversation on the broadcast mid-game. Shout out to a friend of the show, Tyler Terrans, who made the point. He's like, no one's doubting what Shakiri can do with the ball at his feet. From a dead ball situation, you trust him. You know he can just put a ball on a dime from 40 yards, and no one's questioning that. But, again, you do see what Guti gives you, not only the energy with the ball, but the pressing he does out of possession. And to your point, you know, you you, you do really say it's like, are we better maybe with the guy making 8 million yeah. sitting on the bench. And this is also going to be my once a podcast until it happens. Uh, mentioned that U 20 world cup is coming and Brian Gutierrez, I think would certainly like to be on that team. That tournament is in may. So he's got a few more games that roster is going to probably be announced late April. So reasonably Guti's got about four more games to make his case to Mikey Varus and that coaching staff that he should be on that plane. So something to watch for going forward. And then after this goal, Jake, it is suddenly all fire between there and the end of the first half. It is all fire. And in the end, they finally get the reward as Chris Mueller's just shoved to the turf. FC Cincinnati players make a big stink about it, despite on replay, looked like a pretty obvious penalty. And then with no Shakiri, Rafa Shehos is the guy who steps up and takes that penalty. And so that was then, it must have just been a huge sigh of relief after the cheering that, you know, the fire somehow escaped that 45 minutes with the lead
1: yeah and you know maybe Rafa should just be the guy I you know you, you mentioned um <clears throat> how we we know we can count on Shakiri to put a to drop a dime from a set uh set piece is that true anymore I I felt like that's what I believed with him coming here that at minimum we would get that but I mean I I I'm pretty sure he has failed to beat the first man in the corner more times than he's put the ball in a good spot and it's yeah. it's starting to get really frustrating um and i don't know that's something i didn't think would just fade at his age so it, I, I don't really know what's going on but uh it, it it seems to me like like i i personally trust rafa more uh mm-hmm. at the spot than i do shakiri right now
0: yeah and rafa just he's got yeah, this so energy got and this kind of carefreeness about him that's Really refreshing that just there. There's just the, he may there's a reason this guy walked into the team and was named captain immediately. Like that's he's just this kind I of guy who is magnetic in in that particular way. So two one at halftime, feeling pretty good, and then less than twenty seconds into the second half, the Fire are up three one goal from Chris Mueller. They just come out of the blocks, flying in that second half. I think it feels like we never see this team do. How are you feeling at this point? What was the mood among the frigid supporters at this point? Cause this was like the most fun. It seemed like I'd seen the fire having on the field in quite a while.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think it caught most of us off guard. I think half the section didn't even see it. Everybody's just kind of getting settled back in the half started. Like you said, no one's expecting something like this to pop off. Um, so it, it definitely took us all uh, like by surprise. And yeah, um, and and now we start feeling like again we see the good things we see what is possibly changing from the fire teams of old hey maybe we can rally back win a game maybe home can be a fortress for us all these words they keep saying that never really materialize um so yeah we were we were riding a high there for a second and honestly for longer than a second i lasted for you know 30 40 more minutes right
0: yeah, it, it did, and over that period, the fires start making some defensive subs. You know, it's the thing you'd expect a team to do. Let's let's slow the game down. Let's try to shut up shop. Let's get this three points. The one noticeable one being Jonathan Dean, who was signed to this summer, this winter, excuse me, from Birmingham Legion of the USL Championship in the second tier, marketed as a wing back, a right wing back, came in from Miguel Navarro and provided some, I would say, noticeably improved defensive solidity down that left side for much of the game. And we'll get to Lucho Acosta's impact as FC Cincinnati made changes down the stretch. But for a while there, I mean, I don't know about you in the stadium, but on TV, it was noticeable that the fire were more solid looking with Dean on the field.
1: Yes, I have long been a McGill power detractor. I don't think he's the guy. I was very excited to see us get that new signing in recently. Um, Dean, just from the level of play he comes from, um, I honestly didn't have high expectations for him. And we came on the, the field, he's small. I he was like alarmingly small, and that was kind of shocking at first, but he he was very, very solid. Um he made one particularly great tackle um, from behind, chased a guy down from a one-on-one. Um that was it, it's it's been a long time since I felt secure on our left side defensively and shout out to Brandon um, Vincent probably being the last person yes yeah and he's uh he definitely seems like he should uh contend for the role I mean obviously the the new guy's gotta gonna have a shot and uh, hopefully contribute but I mean that was such a good showing that I think he's he's earned the right to uh have his name in the hat you know
0: should mention, yeah, that signing is Alonso Aceves. He's 21 years old, I believe. He's an under-22 initiative signing. He uh, was signed from uh, Pachuca in Mexico, although he played the first half of the season on loan in the Spanish second division. So just to kind of yeah. give yeah. folks an idea of the level he is idea. coming from. But that job does seem open. We know what Miguel Navarro can do flying with his pace up that wing, but... I'm with you defensively. We've already seen a few instances this season where he's leaving quite a bit to be desired. Um, So, you know, the fire bring on defensive subs. They're looking solid. It's the 84th minute. This is going to be a big win, a big boost. How would you describe emotionally then what happened over the next four minutes?
1: I think at first it was just fear (laughs) when they scored that first goal. And you're trying to tell yourself, like, no, no, it's, it's just one goal. It was kind of fluky, kind of, I mean, perfect position. Um, you know, all right, they got one. They had subbed off their top striker. We're here to settle this thing out. Surely we'll be okay. I'm trying to believe in all the positives you're seeing. Um, and that second one was just, it was just heartbreaking. I mean, I felt like if we could have got out of that freezing cold night, um, with, Everybody that was there had a lot of energy um, and had that, plus the the potential, what it looked like for the Philly game for much, uh, much of it. Um, it. It felt like we, if we got the win, that we have some momentum. We would be moving forward with something, feeling pretty good about the team. Um, and you went from all the way up there to straight back down to despair all just off of five, six minutes.
0: Yeah, this, the end of this game is a phenomenal advertisement for how good of a player Lucho Acosta is. I don't know why he didn't start this game for Cincinnati. Um, they must have felt that for whatever fitness reason, he only had 20 minutes in him. And boy, did he make the most of that 20 minutes because, yeah, that first goal is just a dime of all dimes. It's Acosta picking his head up, putting the ball just in, in the absolutely perfect spot. It gets struck home. And no chance for Chris Brady, really in all of this, like this is a thing after this is just how the sport works. After last week where you're looking at Chris Brady and being like, man, that kid really could have done a lot better and gotten us that point. You then watch this game. You see three goals go in. It's like, man, now you just feel awful for him because absolutely none of this was his fault. But this is just the way this sport goes yeah you mentioned now Acosta's unbelievable Vasquez and Brenner are going to get goals eventually even though they're not the ones who end up making the difference have a game junior Moreno guy gets two and has one called back for offside so yeah it's a classic fire game it finishes three three and Jake I can't help but feel that the fire in FC Cincinnati it feels like they've played this game five times already in like the four years that Cincinnati's been in the league and at this point, I just assume that every single year they will play this exact soccer game until the end of time.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, uh, my first game watching the Fiverr Cincinnati was that Open Cup game in Cincinnati, and that was a heartbreaker. So I'm pretty tired of this team. Uh, I, I really wanted this to, us to put them to bed here at home. Um, it's it's frustrating to to be here again.
0: Was actually, uh, I considered going to that. I was living in Ohio at the time. I saw the week before when uh, FC Cincinnati beat the New York Red Bulls. No, excuse me. I was uh, when they beat the Columbus crew. Um, I was I was in attendance for that. And maybe either for the best or regrettably, I'm not sure how I look at it. I was not in the stands the following week as they took down the fire before eventually falling. To the New York Red Bulls, that was FC Cincinnati's last year in the USL championship. And yeah, it's just every every game between the two teams ever since has just been total and complete chaos. We will see in what ways the fire the try to break one fans' fire, hearts the in these next couple weeks. <laughs> or maybe, you know, finally they will shake that off. We do have some news to talk about, but before we get to that, CHGO Fire is also brought to you by Game Time and you can make purchases on game time through the link in the description of the podcast. Check that out. Game time is the hottest ticketing site makes it easier forever to score the best deals on sports concerts and shows who knows maybe you can get a deal on tickets to a Taylor Swift show in Chicago coming up in a couple of months we know that those tickets are currently the hardest commodity to get on the planet you're not going to find a better deal this season on tickets for shows like that or for the fire or the red stars who kick off here in the next couple of weeks it was created by fans with fans in mind guaranteeing the lowest prices you will find anywhere if you love CHGO, you'll love game time and it's a great way to support us by buying tickets through that link in the podcast podcast description so join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and score the best seats to all of your favorite events also before we get to the news I mentioned that last week I suggested that Liverpool would easily beat Bournemouth and that Mohamed Salah would score neither one of those things happened. Liverpool lost one nil so we proceed forward with caution in the MLS though St. Louis City, Jake, our our neighbors to the south are 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 somehow 4-0-0 in their first four games in the league. They are at Real Salt Lake this weekend. Uh, A draw no bet, meaning for those unfamiliar that if the teams draw, you just get your bet back, is plus 150 if St. Louis wins. So that is quite the value for a team who should be favored in this game, who are 4 and 0 oh, or if you want a little bit more security they are at minus 140 on draw or to win. So uh, that that's this week's points bet pick of the week. A couple options there on how you want to bet St. Louis City SC. Bef- before we proceed though Jake, what have you made as a as an observer of a team that stands to become a fire rival in the years to come? What what have you made of St. Louis City's start to life in Major League Soccer?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's It's frustrating seeing the new teams come in and have life right away. I think for a lot of longtime Fire fans, that's kind of the vibe is, you know, we've been waiting for, you know, a decade plus here to get some relevance in a lot of different ways. And a lot of those things are changing and improving, um, but some of them really haven't materialized yet. So seeing a new team come in that, um, you know, outside of the whole different conference thing um, should be a, a natural rival for Chicago Um, to seem to start off like this is, is is not fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really want to get down there and see a game. I don't know if I can make the, uh, the U S women's national team are actually playing there on a Tuesday in April, which is a little random, but, Might have to look in to see if I can check out a game there. Unfortunately, the Fire don't play in St. Louis this year. We only play them once, and that game is at Soldier Field sometime later this season, which seems very odd, but Major League Soccer and scheduling, what are you going to do? So the news we have to get to, Jake, is that over the last couple weeks, the Fire made an announcement that has been very, very a long time coming. They are going to be building a new training facility in In the city of Chicago, we've got a graphic we're gonna pull up with with some of the details of that. It's a 50,000 53,000 square foot building is planned two and a half hybrid grass pitches, three synthetic pitches that seasonal dome is going to continue to be a part of the equation and for both the fire and for rec leagues in the summer. And the winter, so you'll see the, those three fields exposed during the summer, domed during the winter. And they're going to try to be getting underway with construction here soon. The The press release said this spring, which is, you know, obviously getting right to it. But Jake, given the fact that this is second, third, fourth different time the fire have tried to make this happen, I guess it's not surprising that, you know, they're going to try to get this project moving quickly. What were your initial reactions when, when you saw this when you saw this announced and that this hurdle the team has been trying to clear for what feels like forever seems to have finally been cleared?
1: Yeah, mixed reactions for sure. Um obviously for the fire from a soccer standpoint it's great. Um, you know, they need better training facility than um SeatGeek, Bridgeview. Um, you know, similarly to how they needed better offices than you know, being out there you can't really be a championship club without championship facilities and and everything that goes with it um so that's obviously a big positive um i know how hard it is to get land of this size in a city of our size um my brother actually he's an nycfc fan uh one of his <laughs> um a few faults um but he writes for um some of their content out there and he's been on the stadium beat. And so I've, you know, watched as they try to get a stadium built in New York city and a lot of the same stuff. It's just, there's not a lot of land to go around. And there is typically, um, a wealth of politicians that are looking to get their cut and looking to have it benefit them or, um, whatnot. So it's, it's difficult to achieve. So it's, it's from that standpoint, it's achievement for the team. Um, but then obviously the mix of it is seeing that this was old housing, um, more just promises not fulfilled by the city. It feels bad from a city's perspective that this is where it ended up. Um, we, we spent a lot of time internally in Redline kind of looking at this and you know, wondering if this is something that we should be vocal against or anything like that. Um, and it, it really came down to it, it, it seems like this – is about as good as it can come right now in the state of things for the city um which is unfortunate it seems like the 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 bad decisions were made a long time ago promises weren't fulfilled a long time ago and we're at a point where it it seems difficult to find in the budget and in the political will to get you know the housing promise built so um, I, I think now at this point it's just on the team to make sure that they really materialize the promises for the benefit of the community. Um, you know, it, from what they say, it sounds good. Um, it sounds like they're going to be a good community partner and they're going to contribute a lot. Um, they got to back that up with action. Um, you know, there are people in the community there that that say they're very very much for it, but it's. Hard to go off of anecdotes like that. You can always find people um, that will publicly back things. There are definitely people in the community that still do not want it there. So um, at this point, they're going to have to prove to a lot of people in that community uh, with their actions and how it's going to benefit them.
0: Yeah, and to your point, they've been trying to do this well, to for a point, while. I think it, uh, it's been one of those things where you know I think there was a facility in Belmont, Cragen a couple of years ago that they I mean there were renderings for they did everything. They said, here's this thing we're planning and then it didn't clear the necessary political hurdles. So my guess is this has been in the works for a while and the fire did not want the same thing to happen again, where they get everybody's hopes up and then a project comes crashing down. Yeah. So this land was purchased from the Chicago housing authority. It was the former site of the ABLA homes, the ABLA homes, which were mostly demolished in 2007. To your point about mistakes being made a long time ago and promises not fulfilled at the time, it was promised that that land would be redeveloped into, I think, 2,500 affordable housing units. Instead, it has been used for various rec sports purposes. It's kind of a park, kind of not, kind of empty land. So you talked about, though, that the club has made some promises that they're going to have to keep to keep up their end of the deal uh, what they've said is that they're going to invest $8 million into re-existing, into rehabbing existing Chicago Housing Authority housing and creating new community spaces. They've said they will, quote, provide long term employment for community members, resources for minority and women owned businesses, free sports program for programming for local youth, community green spaces and more. And, quote, the big dubious political number that comes in here is that the city says this is going to generate $40 million for the CHA over the next 40 years, which is an impossibly long timeline to ever keep actual tabs on or be able to measure. So to me, it feels like the fire holding up their end of the deal money wise has a higher probability of happening than the city and the local residents actually getting $40 million for housing out of it. So you know, yes, it is It is a bit fraught. But to your point, it does feel like in the grand scheme of things, it's hard to really find something that's going to be less fraught. Um, again, this is a better location physically than belmont Cragen would have been for the team. It's about a 10-minute drive to Soldier Field. It's adjacent to UIC, which it's kind of funny, currently has the best soccer field in Metro Chicago, the best soccer grass surface in this city is going to be down the street at UIC, so it is fitting that Little Italy is going to keep its monopoly on great uh, professional quality fields. It's where the U.S. national team trains when they play in Chicago, the men and the women. They train at UIC because it is better than any field out in Bridgeview. It is better than the Soldier Field field. Uh, Somebody asked in the chat, What's going to happen to their current facility in Bridgeview? That's really the million-dollar question. We've mentioned it on the show before, that the Red Stars, they do still play there. The Red Stars still train there. The lease, though, that Joe Mansueto renegotiated with the city of Bridgeview to basically take the lease from, I think, 10 years to five by increasing the team's mortgage payment, basically, to get out faster. That ends either after this year or after next year. So there's this looming question what happens to that facility? What happens to the Red Stars? Um, the Red Stars are reportedly on the brink of being sold, according to uh, NWCO Commissioner uh, Jessica Berman yesterday in a media conference. So if you're a Chicago soccer fan, keep an eye on that. And the fate of the Bridgeview site, NFC Geek Stadium, largely hangs in the balance of all of that. We have actually got a video of the rendering of the facility that the club posted online that, you know, as we continue this conversation, we can kind of show what we're looking at here. And, you know, it is a, you know, state of the art looking facility. You mentioned, Jake, that the the facilities in Bridgeview are not up to up to snuff for this level. Um, it's hard to exactly measure them, but it it has been suggested that the fire may currently have the worst training facilities in all of major league soccer. There are a couple teams that are down there in that conversation with them, but they certainly have a a right to be in that conversation. Um, So, yeah, I, I guess, I guess we'll wait and see, but clearly, you know, it's the fire have been trying to move political will on a few things for a few years and, You know, it's an interesting time for the city. There's a mayoral election. So there's a lot of unknowns with Soldier Field. So I'm sure the club is glad to have this piece of their puzzle seemingly settled.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it's really just the ball's in their court now. You know, it's it is a a great place to do a lot of good if you can do so and if you have the will to do so. So um, I think they can win over community members and be a good partner. um, And they also cannot. So it's up to them. Um, I I do have a lot more faith in this current administration doing good with this than I do past administration. So I think there is um, reason to be optimistic. But, you know, I really just it, that comes down to the people in that community to determine whether it's working or not. It,
0: it's also helpful when you have an owner who actually has spent his entire adult life living in the city and is familiar with the city and is local physically and is around and, you know, just... No, what's the saying that like 75% of leadership is showing up? And so the, there is, you know, to your point about changing administrations instead of an owner who's a couple thousand miles away and no one had seen or heard from often ever, Joe Mansueto does certainly seem to have his fingerprints on the goings on more. And the investment behind the scenes in terms of staffing and all of that has uh, has, has certainly reflected that. So, yeah, the, the all we can do, I suppose, now at this point is, you know, fans can hold the club to it hold them to their promises over the coming years. We can see how this training facility uh, shakes out, given that they're looking to start construction immediately. uh, You know, the club has declined any further comment at this time. I would love to have that conversation with all of the, you know, kind of very stakeholders, a sort of round table of sorts would be really cool at some point, but I'd imagine this could be ready as soon. Some of it's going to be ready next year. I'd have to think, I mean, even if the building isn't done getting a couple soccer fields built and installed doesn't take very long. So this is something that could provide dividends for the fire sooner rather than later. And as I mentioned, better training facilities is great for attracting international teams and tournaments and things of that nature. And, you know, summer preseason, you know, if you've got, you're going to have five full-sized fields that can be used for a whole host of things. So this is also going to generate money and eyeballs for the team as a total side thing from the benefits to the fire themselves. This is the sort of facility that the city of Chicago at present does not have a, as we've discussed on this show, an absolutely soccer mad city, even if that might not always be reflected in the buzz around its professional team. So hopefully the hope is that despite the, I'll say the negative legacy of how this land has been left the last 15 years hopefully the fire can take advantage of the position that they are in to make it a space that they use for the benefit of more than just the team they're putting out at soldier field every weekend. Um, But certainly to all of you listening, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this project, on the pros, the cons, and hopefully in a couple of weeks I can uh, revisit some of those comments and see what the buzz of the fire community is. And so, you know, between now and then we'll also have a, a couple of games the Fire take on Inter Miami on the road, and then DC United at home. Talk about a game that I don't know about you, Jake. That's that's got have to win all over it. Even if the Fire aren't going to be a playoff team this year, you can't lose. Can't lose to DC United.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And honestly, the Fire have to be a playoff team this year. If, if they're not, then a, a lot of people got to go.
0: Well, it's a contract year for a whole lot of people, so it does seem like the rubber is going to likely meet the road one way or the other. Jake Campbell, thanks so much for coming on the show today, for taking the time, for adding your perspective as someone really plugged in to the FIRE community. Where can people find you and the stuff you're doing?
1: Um. RedlineSG.com sg.com or at the redline sg on socials uh we're at horner park for pickup every sunday from 10 to noon we're at uh we've made a partnership with half Acre, so we got a couple half acre kegs at every tailgate fire and red stars um and we meet there every thursday from six to nine to paint and uh and plot
0: I, I i like that yeah red star season opener is april First, I believe, is the season home opener. They're on the road in San Diego this weekend. San Diego is going to set another NWSL attendance record in that season opener against the Red Stars. It looks like they're going to sell out Snapdragon Stadium in San Diego, which is just crazy. So tune into that. If you're a Chicago soccer fan, again, the fire take on Inter Miami on Saturday. That is at 630 p.m. Central Time. So for Jake Campbell, I am Alex Campbell. Shout out to Sarah behind the scenes for making it all happen. Thanks for tuning in to see HGO Fire, and I will see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>